Wait for it. There's no need to wait, geeks. We are back. This is the Active Geek Podcast with your host, Jim and Chuck. And Chuck, it's a new week. That means a new episode. That means new comics. And that means my picks of the week. And we're going to dive right into them. I have two of them. They're both from Image Comics this week. I didn't find anything that grabbed me from Marvel or DC. Uh, a lot of DC stuff is ending, uh, has been ending in the last two weeks. So I expect the next few weeks for it to really kind of ramp up. But the first one is um, Prodigy. And you've heard, heard of Prodigy before, right? The Mark Miller uh, storyline. It's getting a movie at Netflix, I believe. It's part of that Millerverse. Yes. So they're coming out with a new book. So what this says to me is the movie's progressing, and we might be getting it sooner rather than later. Or they're saying, let's keep Prodigy in people's ears and eyes to make sure that... They don't forget about it. They Exactly, because it was only six issues. And this one is, I believe, only five issues. And it's written by Mark Millar, so... Obviously, he's back to take over. It's called Prodigy Icarus Society, and it's a miniseries. And the Magic Order and King of Spies writer Mark Miller launches a brand new five-issue series starring Edison Crane, his favorite creation. And this, and this time, he's brought along amazing Star Wars artist Matteo Bafogni to blow you all away. Edison Crane is the world's smartest man. But what happens when he's targeted by an entire club of geniuses who also fly too close to the sun? Meet the Icarus Society. So it's like John Wick the genius being hunted by a bunch of nerds with a ton of energy drinks. And sounds interesting and sounds like a cool movie. Yeah, it, it really does, doesn't it? Like that's the, the pitch for the sequel. And it's it's crazy that like every time prodigy comes out and i know it's only been twice it's edison crane is the smartest man in the world we get that but tell us a little more about the story like that's a very small synopsis it's a sentence and it's expecting people to be like you like mark miller buy his stuff but i don't like what mark miller's been putting on tv so i don't know if i would want to buy this had i not read prodigy in the beginning i like edison crane i think this pitch kind of undersells the character and the story that predates this but it's still worth a read prodigy if you haven't read the first edition definitely go back and read that that's six issues of genius right there and this is you know this one's probably going to be good too uh the next one has the craziest name and honestly i think i picked it because the name and the title or uh, well the the name and the like the pitch for it it's called starhenge dragon and boar hmm it's it's written by Liam Sharp and it's drawn by Liam Sharp and it's also a miniseries. And it starts off by saying revered creator Liam Sharp cuts loose in his visually stunning six issue masterpiece Starhenge Book One. A future Merlin travels to fifth century Britain to prevent monstrous time traveling killer robots from robbing the universe of magic. And Amber Weaver's lively present-day narrative reveals how she becomes drawn into a war across time. The Terminator meets the Green Knight in 30 enthralling story pages, setting the scene for this epic, uh, this original epic inspired by the Arthurian sagas. I'm a King Arthur sucker. I know you are too. I read this 
as soon as it said the Terminator meets the Green Knight, I was like, I'm going to buy this. I, I have to buy this. Uh, what do you think about this? I know you're you're not an image guy per se. There are titles that you like. Is this something that gets you out of bed and is like, that sounds like something I'd read because I know you like the Terminator. I do, I do. And it sounds cool. It sounds well, well, first, when you said the title, it just sounds like they threw a bunch of words, like put them in a hat and say like a star, hinge, bore. Like, yeah, it's it, kind of like how I come up with podcast names, essentially. <laughs> but like it's super weird. Um, and like do I do like Arthurian lore. So that's kind of cool. The robot thing seems kind of weird. Time travel and killer robots, though. <laughs> and Merlin is your, you know, one of your characters who goes back in time to kill the time travelers. It's a pretty dope storyline. Have the art. Oh, have you ever seen Liam Sharp stuff? Not off the top of my head. I can't. It's good. It's good. Like, it's, it looks like he paints every picture, honestly. Um, okay. It's, it's kind of got like that early Sandman kind of vibes where it's like you can still see the paintbrush strokes. And it's a little choppy in pieces, and like the the words kind of bleed into the pages. Like it's it's not for everybody. I'll say that, but it's definitely for me. Um, and if you are like an art purist and you really like just crisp, clean panels and stuff like that, this might not be for you. But the story is going to speak for itself. I read a little bit of the preview, and the preview I think it was like two two or three panels. It had me hooked. So I was like, yeah, you're going on the list, but. Um, I will, I'll circle back in six months and let everybody know what I think about um, Starhenge Dragon and Boar. Sounds like a IPA. <laughs> it does from some weird brewery, but I'm I'm interested. So that they're my picks of the week. I suggest you get them. If they're not your cup of tea, it is what it is. They're my cup of tea, and I enjoy them. But let's enter spoiler territory because a few weeks ago we sat down in both studios and discussed the the first six episodes of stranger things Mm -hmm. chapter uh, season four and we ranted we raved we predicted a bunch of stuff and again spoiler warning from here on out because we are going to take our pop culture passport and go to hawkins indiana we're going to go to somewhere in the sierra nevadas we're going to go to russia and then we're going to go to the upside down and we're going to spoil the last two episodes of Stranger Things Season 4 because I feel like I watched two Stranger Things movies back-to-back. Oh, yeah. Got a lot of thoughts, uh, but I'll start by saying I've never been so happy to be so wrong. <laughs> because two, three weeks ago, we talked about this, and I was like, you know, Max is going to die and Lucas is going to die and Hopper's going to die and everyone's going to die. And it turned out it was just Eddie and Jason, who was a piece of shit. I hated Jason. No, he was awful. But we we're going to go into the upside down, spend some time there and talk about the Vecna fight um, and the battle between Vecna and the Hawkins gang, because that's really what the meat and the potatoes of this final arc was. We knew from the trailer that Hopper and Joyce and everybody over there in Russia were going to have to take care of the Demogorgons that the Russians were um, were essentially breeding and experimenting on. We knew that Argyle, uh, Jonathan, Will, Mike, and Eleven weren't going to get to Hawkins in time. 
So there were a lot of like what if questions going on there. What we did know is that the kids of Hawkins and the adults, I have Steve, I guess, and, and Steve's the only adult in that group, I guess, um, they had to beat Vecna on the home turf. And meanwhile, you have Jason, who I kind of forgot about for a while, like going into it because I was, I think I just anticipated so much death in this mm-hmm. that like I forgot about you know, Jason, Mr. Satanic Panic, you know, let's start a, a lynch mob and go after people. Um, like, what a jerk I, he was. When he got split in half, I clapped. I, cl- I clapped like the Duffer Brothers were in my house. It was one of the craziest deaths. It was mo- the most amazing death. And I was like, oh, he just got split in half. Like, just the upside down portal yep. just. Totally deserved it, so I'm great. I'm great with that. But in terms of this final battle with Vecna and the kids, I loved it. I thought it played out perfectly. It was a great bookend to a really good season. But what really sticks out to me is something that you and I really talk about in a lot of our episodes. Whenever we're breaking down a movie that isn't like an MCU movie or like a superhero movie, like when we talk, break down horror movies like Halloween, for example, we always talk about how everybody goes in there with zero plan, <laughs> zero plan, and they have no plan of attack, and they go in there, and they're like, we're just going to kill him, and we're going to run, and we're going to win, and blah, blah, blah. These kids and young adults had a plan. And it was well executed until that jerk off Jason showed up and, you know, practically turned Max into Helen Keller because he wanted to, you know, he wanted to be Mr. Hero and didn't believe that Chrissy was, you know, dealing with some shit and needed some drugs from Eddie, who we'll talk about Eddie in a little bit. But I, I loved how they executed it. I also love that they kind of lead you in with bread cl- breadcrumbs. You know what I mean? Like... Max sitting there taking off the headphones and then they that scene then they flash right to Jason and the boys finding out that you know Erica is in the I guess the weird jungle gym kind of cocoon yeah and they're doing the lights I was like all right this is where Max either dies or something really bad happens to Max but in in terms of that fight I thought it was cool with that they set it up that you thought so many people were going to die in so many ver- like various parts, right? Robin, Steve, and Nancy are wrapped up in the vines, and you're like, oh, my God. And like you said, Sean Levy had said this was going to be a gut punch. So yeah. when that scene came up, I was like, shit, we're losing all three of them right off the bat. We still got an hour and a half left of this movie, this show. And then Max and Lucas are doing their thing, and that was like my feelers went up. That's where I thought Lucas was going to sacrifice himself. And then you've got Dustin and Eddie who, you know, they're the bait to take on the Demobats. But the way they, the Duffer brothers really just orchestrated such a fantastic final battle, final episode, honestly made me feel like it was, we watched the entire D&D campaign up until the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, um, Duff, like the Duffers were just rolling a dice. And just saying, well, Dustin's going to do this. Eddie's going to do that. And, you know, we might have gotten the most epic and metal moment of television history. Yes. With Eddie playing Metallica on his trailer, which 
to like I watch it on TikTok all the time. Like I just play it back and forth, like how amazing that is. But in general, what did you think about the battle between the Hawkins gang and Vecna? Uh, Vecna? It was great because, like you said, the Duffer Brothers. What the thing they did, and not many people can do, is there were so many moving parts in that final episode, but they didn't feel jumbled or cluttered. Right. Um, it was it was the right amount of time for each one, and like they would, you know, go to Russia, then they would go to the upside down at Eddie's trailer, then the upside down at uh the Creed house, and then back to the Creed house in the real world. Like they were going back and forth, but it didn't. You weren't lost. No, and like then then they would bounce back to California and eleven in the, you know, the Domino's fridge. Yeah. And it never felt like – I never felt overwhelmed. Right. Because like – and I talk about this all the time is like the one thing gripe I had with Game of Thrones is there were so many moving parts and it seemed like you got lost. This I didn't feel lost. They did a good job of balancing those four areas perfectly. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean the Duffers and we we've talked about like – how great they are and i think it's because how picky they are because they don't do anything besides stranger things up until this new stephen king adaptation that they're getting uh which i'm a little worried about because stephen king stuff hasn't been good besides it did you notice this sort of easter egg um you're gonna have to remind me i was there were a lot of moving parts in it so their next project is the talesman lucas was reading max the talesman Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, well, that's that's very cool. I mean, there's also like, so do you remember? I don't know what what episode it was when Ericus tells uh, Lucas, "I'm taking your X Men 135 or whatever." Yeah, that's the Dark Phoenix saga with the Hellfire Club being introduced. So like, oh, that's a very okay, cool, yeah, that's cool. That's, that's a very cool Easter egg as well. Um, and I think like the thing about the Duffers that I give them credit is that they stayed loyal to one thing, right? They weren't courting other offers. They weren't doing a Marvel series in between. They weren't doing a DC or star Wars or, you know, going to NBC and working on something like La Brea. They were staying pat with Netflix, staying with what they know. And they wanted to create a masterpiece. Now you mentioned game of Thrones, game of Thrones until the season finale, the series finale, that final series season could have went down as the best show on television in the last 10 to 15 years. You know, some would argue that that might be the greatest, like some people argue that that's the greatest show ever. I disagree. That last season was awful. If stranger things can finish, wrap this up as consistently as they have for the last four seasons, this goes down as one of the best television shows in the 2010s, if not the 2000s. And I know that includes a lot. I mean, The Wire's in there and Sopranos and Ray Donovan. You know, like, you know, people love Shameless and Ted Lasso and all this stuff. But six seasons and they haven't missed. Or, I'm sorry, four seasons right now and they haven't missed. It's a lot to to work with there. And I feel like what really stands out is just the the attention to detail like you said with the easter eggs and all that but also to like the characters and it goes back to what we talked about in our first episode 
is that it wasn't jumbled, but each character got the right amount of screen time. Even characters like Argyle, who, you know, were comic relief, and Eddie, who, you know, we really didn't think was going to be the heart of this season, but he truly was. And I think that they really did a good job navigating that. And then we go to Russia, you know, because we can't forget about Russia, right? And just that was just like a very seamless story. Like a lot of people were like, oh, I didn't like the Russian storyline because it was just a way to show that not all Russians are bad. And I was like, no, that what they did there is that they showed that you don't need superpowers to kill supernatural beasts, right? And they needed that as a connection. So they knew that there was a three-prong attack without actually talking to each other. The people in Russia, Joyce and Hopper and Murray, knew that they had to take care of the upside-down creatures and that, you know, that mist and blob. They had to take care of that in Russia to help Hawkins. And meanwhile, you have the Californian crew who has Eleven, who is now in a sensory deprivation tank, albeit a surfer bro pizza fridge freezer, going into Max's head to fight Vecna. And nobody had access to telephones to call each other. And the fact that they were able to make that believable and they were able to tell a consistent storyline without it being like, oh, that doesn't make sense, that's impossible, was flawless. Did you dislike any of the storylines that they, they included in this? The Russia, the California, uh, pop the whole Papa stuff where you know he's getting gunned down by the army. Were you disappointed in any of that? Do you have any thoughts on that? I wouldn't say disappointed. Like I had uh, some were um... – I enjoyed more than others. Like Papa dying? Oh, yeah. That, I hate it. I mean, Matthew Modine was great. Great. I mean, that whole storyline was great. And, like, again, I hate the government aspect of it. I think that's the only gripe I had because it was extremely stupid. Just you have this general who's just pissed off of a little girl. But, like, he just all he wants to do is kill her. We're going to find out, I feel like, in season five that, like, America has been breeding demigorgons and working with Russia or some crazy stuff like that. But I'm sorry, you can go back to what you were saying. The least storyline that I liked was probably the California one, like on okay. their journey to find L. Um, not to say that I hated it, but like when they went to Susie's house and stuff like that was all weird. Yeah, that was that was the first part. Where they, they, I feel like they just needed a, a comedic moment and to include Susie. But, like, if I had to choose my least favorite, would be that one. But it wasn't bad. No, no, not at all. I don't think any of the storylines no. were bad. The Russia storyline, I think, was this, the second most important if we take away, like, if Eleven's not in the California storyline. Mm-hmm. But it beings that Eleven is in the Californian storyline, she is the most important because she's the only one to get into the mind of Max and go and fight Vecna. Now, what did you think about the battle with Eleven and Vecna and Eleven joining, like getting into the head of Max? And even at the end, when Max is when Max is dead, Eleven healing Max. What did you think about that? Well, you know, first... We got to talk about Vecna. Jamie Campbell 
Campbell Bower. Like, he was amazing as Vecna. And the fact, like, that whole scene with, like, him just kind of, like, breaking down Eleven. And, like, when, you know, when she's, like, perched up with the vine or whatever they were. And that scene was, like, he's just truly evil. And he, you know, I've known him for a little bit. He's been in a couple things that I've watched. But he was kind of, like, a lot of people don't know who he is. And he knocked it out of the park. I mean, he's got tattoos that look like he's Vecna in real life. If you watch the video where he's getting the makeup and the prosthetics put on, yeah, like he's got like a black heart tattoo. He's got like spiders and shit. Like he's got like dark tattoos. And I'm like, this is they picked the right guy for him. And yeah, you're right. He did crush it. That scene where you think Eleven's gonna die mm-hmm. because Vecna is just so damn powerful and explaining to her like, you created me. I'm the monster. Or I'm not the monster. You are. You're responsible for this. Papa knew. Blah blah blah. I think that was a lot of exposition to set up the the final season, and it, it's like Eleven's redemption tour. She's gonna sacrifice herself and save the world. But that whole storyline was fantastic. But my real question in regards to that is, what did you make of Eleven being able to heal Max through memories? Or, like, transfer her powers. Because I don't... I have some theories about this. I have a theory, too. Sort of. Um, I thought that was really weird. Because, like, you know, when Max is, you know, up in the air and her bones start to break, I'm like, oh, she's gone. Like, there's no way to get back from that. And then when she comes down and, you know, she's blind. And then she dies. And I was like, okay. Like, I expect it. We kind of thought Max would die. And I was like, okay, like that was sad. It was awful, but all right. And then when she came back, I'm like, there's going to be repercussions. I, yeah, I, I, I'm not saying Max is going to be evil, but there's going to be something wrong with her. Like, yes. So is that your theory that she comes back and there's something wrong with her? Yeah. So my theory is similar, but. It could go either way, honestly. So Vecna has her her vision, right? Mm-hmm. We know Vecna's wounded. We know we know he's weak and he's on the retreat because he's got to bring his army. Season five, we're gonna see probably an army of under or upside down creatures and all this shit coming up and just trying to destroy the people of Hawkins. It's gonna be all out war. What if Max comes back still blind, right? But she is, like, she is Vecna's eyes into Hawkins. So, like, she's, like, she's not deaf, but, like, she's blind and she's still part of the crew because she has, like, her and Will have, like, the deepest connection to Vecna because now now Will's important again. Yeah. You know, this whole season was about Will's sexuality, I think. Uh, And it's still, it was, like, loosely addressed, but not really, he didn't come out. Um, but now he's, he's back to being important. What if, you know, they believe that Will and Max are the key to getting Vec like tracking Vecna because they can feel him. But in actuality, Max is the, you know, the, the eyes to Vecna where he can see, and he's already getting the game plan. You know what I mean? Or vice versa. Max is now 
able to see into the upside down and see what Vecna's doing without Vecna knowing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely think there's like she's not. I mean, obviously, you know, her bones are broken. I'm. I still think she's blind. Um, yeah, I think she's blind for sure. But I don't think she's coming. Like, I don't think that's the worst of it. I think something supernatural esque. Like, you just can't. Like, she brought her back to life. Like, yeah, from a place in her mind. Like, that's crazy. I love the idea, but I, I think there's going to be something seriously wrong with her. And I like your theories. Yeah, yeah I mean, we're all thinking, like, Eleven is this is the hero, right? What if it's actually Max? What if Eleven transferred powers, like residual powers, to Max, and now she's, you know, they tag team Vecna, and they tag team the Mind Flayer, and we get to see, you know even more crazy stuff because like the bats were crazy but you know there's more wild big things going down in the under uh, in the upside down yeah so i think like a lot of this hinges on max and will going into season five because honestly noah schnapp has really got the short end of the stick in the series um we kind of he's kind of the hawkeye of the the stranger things cast where you think he's going to die every single season and he had his moment in the first movie, the first series or season, and then pretty much he's just a background character. Also, cool thing about Noah Schnapp, more local thing, he's going to UPenn. Did you see that? No, I did not. Yeah, so he just got accepted into UPenn, and he's going to be going to business. Um, for those new to the podcast, Chuck and I live 20 minutes outside of Philadelphia, um, so it's you know that's our home city, and um, it's pretty cool that. He's going there. I watched an interview with him and Millie Bobby Brown, who, who, where she said, like, you're going into UPenn. He's like, yeah. And she's like, what are you going for? And he's like, business, because I want to try something different. I already know how to act. I want to do something different. And I think that's cool. And I also find it crazy that Gaten Mazarazzo is 20 years old. <laughs> yeah. Because he looks, he looks like he's an 11. And he's about and, 20 minutes from me, too. Yeah, he's 20 minutes from us in Shemong. Uh, he's going back to Broadway, which is pretty cool. Uh, maybe he'll do some Philly Broadway, um, you know, Philly off Broadway shows, which which would be great. You had talked about this in our first Stranger Things episode, and then you've also talked about this in our Lost episode in the Sonic Two episode we just did last week, that has been sent to the Upside Down. That this was going to be a gut punch. Those were the words that Sean Levy, who a punch to the heart, the, yeah. Yeah, punch to the heart, gut punch, nut punch, whatever. He punches your organs. Was it as much of a gut punch as it was said to be? No. For you? No, it wasn't. Um, Like, the death of Eddie, obviously, was... Uh, heartbreaking? Heartbreaking, but expect it. Yeah, I mean, Eddie got his hero moment. I thought that like, the storyline for him was there was no coming out of it, even if they saved the day he was wanted for murder. When they were splitting up and the trio of Nancy, Robin, and Steve was leaving and he was like, well, I'm no hero. And I'm like, oh, he's dead. Like, Yep, and he's like, I run. Yeah. And, you know, I was – like, Eddie was great. He knocked it out of the park. But, like, yep. I kind of expected it. What really hit emotionally for me is when Dustin was yep. talking to Mr. Munson. Yep. I was – that – you're just taking the words right out of my mouth. Like – 
honestly the most emotional scene and probably the best acting in the entire season. Like, you felt his pain. I was like, wow. Like, he crushed that scene. Like, that was probably the most emotional for me. Like, of course, Eddie, like, you know, I'm screaming at the TV, you know, when he was dying. And, like, even when Dustin came back, you know, because Eddie was just like, I'm going to go do this on my own. And then Dustin went back in the upside down, was too late, held him as he was dying. And that was emotional, too. Yeah. But it wasn't as of a a punch to the heart as I expected. Like, I'm expecting, like, well, look how many people we were. Like, oh, this person's going to die. This person's going to die. Yeah. And it really. I was expecting at least a hand, like, five people to die in this series. Yeah. And it was one character. And not that he was a main, wasn't a main character, but it was someone we just got introduced this year. So. Yeah. I mean, it does. Eddie was the equivalent to if Robin would have died last season yeah. or if Max would have mm-hmm. died two seasons ago. Eddie, I mean, let's be honest. The Duffer brothers have a, um, a habit of wanting to kill the heartthrob, right? <laughs> so Steve was supposed to die in season one. He's now the heartthrob, right? Billy comes in. The women fall in love with Dr. Montgomery. Look at uh Cara Buono, uh Karen Wheeler. Yeah. She was gonna go throw away her marriage and her kids to have sex with a seventeen year old. He dies. And now Joseph Quinn, who plays Eddie Mun- uh, Munson, shows up and he's the sex symbol. Like women are loving Eddie. Like they like this hot topic employee is their their dream. They're their daddy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he has his moment. He's on the trailer playing Master uh, Master of Puppets. And I, I thought that was so epic, number one. Watching Dustin headbang in his bush suit was great. And what's underrated about this, and I know a lot of people are always going to focus on the Kate Bush song, but the soundtrack to this series was so good. Yeah. So good. And even to the point that Dream a Little Dream was in the last episode of The Boys. And I was like, oh, my God, that's from Stranger Things. You know, I thought that that was cool that they kind of correlated that. But uh, well, th- those there was like parallels there. But when they played Separate Ways by Journey. Whoo, that remix. And, and when it was mastered to the fight. And to the, it was so good. Like the pauses in it. If you haven't listened to it, it's on Spotify. Just re- listen to it. YouTube it. It's so so goddamn good. And what uh, it was so good. What I love is that they didn't remake it. Like it was. No. It's it's Steve Perry singing. Yep, and, it wasn't Adam Lambert. It wasn't anybody. It was Steve Perry. I and, thought that was great. Like they, you know, remastered it and remixed it, and it just was like so epic and then you know you talked about the kate bush song they reintroduced that but then mixed it with the stranger thing beat yep and yeah i'm kind of mad because on itunes that is the only song not available in our country or region um give it time my friend give it yeah you'll get it but um they whoever's head of the music department on that show 
knocked it out of the park on this season. I feel like it's got to be the Duffers. Uh, but in terms of the general question, and you know, you responded to it about it being a gut punch. It it wasn't as much of a gut punch to me either. I didn't care that Papa died. No, I I actually cheered. Like I said, um, Eddie was a sad death. Max dying was shocking a little bit. Even though I said I could see her dying, I figured it was going to be Lucas. I thought. At the moment, Eleven was going to save Max, but Jason was going to kill Lucas. But besides that, like, I wasn't like, oh, Eddie's dead. I can't watch the show anymore. I'm emotionally fragile. So it wasn't as much of a gut punch as it was more of a on-the-edge-of-your-seat type Mm -hmm. experience because I was expecting death. I was going into it expecting so-and-so to die, and I was like, oh, they're teeing it up for a death here. They're teeing it up for a death there. And I think that was good selling on Sean Levy's part. And I think that's, again, it, it's a testament to the Duffers and the writers and everybody else that this is such a well-oiled machine that the story can have you on pins and needles for an hour, two hours and 40 minutes thinking somebody's going to die when in, or like multiple people are going to die when in actuality it's just the, the newest character that, it, that they introduced, which I'm here for. Um, what was your favorite moment? Do you got to ask that? Eddie, on the trailer. That was just epic. And then, like, I love that, like, Metallica came out. And obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, they said they knew, you know, their song was going to be in it. But to see the final product, they were like, it was amazing. It was the most metal thing ever. And it was. Like, the scene of just Eddie riffing. And then you see the red lightning strikes in the background. Yep. And it was just like, wh- whoever's idea was this was amazing. Like, it was literally, like the like I said, the most metal thing ever. Like, you're literally playing a metal song in basically hell. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, you, you said that Jamie Campbell Bauer is somebody that a lot of people might not know, but, anybody actually, actually, but he actually crushed it. Um, he was one of the Volturi in... Twilight. So a lot of people I think know him, know the face, don't know the name. But he him and Joseph Quinn, who played Eddie, um, were my MVPs of yep. this second half. Um Max Sadie Sink was my MVP. Sadie Sink and Gate Matarazzo were my um MVPs the first season or first half. And those two were my MVPs for the second half and Obviously, Millie Bobby Brown is a fantastic actress, and she kills it. She kills every she kills every scene that she's in. So no complaints there. I would say we could future build, right? But we've been wrong about everything that we guessed. And I'm okay with that. Do you have an idea of what to expect in season six or season five? I mean, you kind of said it. Like, I expect, like, a full-out battle. But, like, now that it seems like the upside down is coming into our world. So I I expect like a full out war. Um for some reason I'm thinking more like Lord of the Rings esque. Like not orcs and stuff, but like just a huge battle. Um and, you know, you've got all these supernatural beings and then you have like ten people. 
Yeah, I mean, well, you got well, you got the city, right? So are they going to band up against and go up against these people? But, like, are we going to see, you know, anything other than Vecna and the Mind Flare? You know what I mean? I like, definitely think so. I mean, you have to, right? The bats are cool. Like, it, it's nice to get the bats. But, like, are we going to get, like, werebears and displacer beasts and you know barbed devils are these things going to show up or are we going to get like demo liches or liches in general or licks likes or whatever they're called um are we going to get more demigor- demogorgons you know i feel like you have to you really have to blow your budget on cgi i mean they season. they did on this season and the cgi was pretty clean yeah and i feel like you have to double up on that because i think i think they will yeah the mind flayer is still out there right and we know how big that is. Vecna's hurt. Vecna's not the boss of the Upside Down. There's got to be somebody bigger. Because well, if... Well, um, no. It came out boss. that he know. was the boss. Yeah, but like... The Upside Down existed before one went into the Void. Yeah. You know what I mean? So who was running the Upside Down? Are we going to see like Elder Gods of the Upside Down? You know what I mean? Vecna at half of his capacity isn't strong enough to take over 11, like to beat 11. 11 beat him, right? Mm-hmm. 11 stronger than she was before, so she could just wipe him out. And the crew knows how to kill him at this point. There's got to be some something that's bigger than Vecna. Now, could it be the Mind Flayer and that distracts everybody in Vecna heals and he comes back or is there some old archaic beast or you know I don't know is there a zero you know in in terms of like the kids like was there a you know kid zero or is there I I have no idea I I don't know where to go with this one like I don't see Vecna being fully healed until like midway through season five and maybe that's like when the final battle happens and the whole thing we get is the kids and the town fighting all of his foot soldiers, right? Because they said, you know, when Nancy had that vision, she saw monsters coming through the upside down. So obviously we're going to get some new monsters. I'm curious to see if those monsters aren't in fact just monsters, but people who the upside down have claimed like Barb, like Jason, like Billy. Like, are we going to see these familiar faces pop up as, like, kind of, like, zombified Chrissy and that other kid, that, that nerdy kid that Fred. was killed that I didn't like? Huh, what was his name, Randall? Fred. Fred, yeah, I didn't like him. Randall was close. Um, yeah, are we going to see those guys? I I mean, we they are, like, petrified, you know, yeah. in what, you know, whatever that area was, but I can see them maybe coming quote-unquote alive yeah i mean we saw billy like 90 percent of the season (laughs) dr montgomery collected a really good paycheck on this one like the one thing i fear is that we're just gonna get bats and vines and like i'm okay with that but i i feel like i think there's gonna be more yeah i mean there there definitely should be more right this is the final season of like i said what could be one of the greatest tv shows of all time so they really have 
a lot riding on this, and they definitely don't want to be compared uh, to the strength or the um, the Game of Thrones showrunners with that final season. You know what I mean? That damn near ended their careers. <laughs> this could and like this is make or break for the Duffers. It doesn't matter what you did in the past; it's what you're giving us now. Mm-hmm. So they really have to come correct, and I trust them. Um, this is their baby. They've already said that they have. You know the plans ahead. They they planned ahead for a final season. Uh, they've been able to call audibles like they did with Steve being alive and working with him. You know it's kind of like they're like a hive mind. They know exactly what they're doing. They're very they're eerily like Kevin Feige for a Stranger Things universe. Like they're we think we know what is going to happen, right? Oh, we have no idea. <laughs> They're 15 steps ahead of us, and they and and they already have three seasons of the spinoff already written or some shit like that. You know, after season three, I would have never predicted this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, right? This is a series that, like, I'm okay not predicting. I'm okay not previewing it as we preview it right now. Well, But it's just because we're wrapping this up. But this is one of those shows that I just want to go in fresh. Like, I know you rewatch everything. Mm-hmm. This is a series where everything kind of sticks into my brain, right? So, like, I'm 100% in on Stranger Things. I want to live in Hawkins. Like, I want all everything to do with it. I cannot wait for season five. I don't think I've ever been as excited for a new season besides Ted Lasso than I have been for Stranger Things in quite some time. Well, so pumped. You know, you sit there and you said that, like, you know, we can't predict and stuff. Because what the great thing is, is this is fresh property. Like, you know, a lot of the stuff that we geek out about is a remake or a reboot or based on source material. This is a fresh idea from their minds that the likes of no one has ever seen before. You know, when we do Marvel stuff, okay, they take from this comic – series they take it from this storyline you know pepper this and boom 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 same thing like we talk about uh game of thrones it was a book series you know we did the lost an, episode uh, sonic video an game. incomplete book series incomplete but still there was they, source... had to, they had to ad-lib that last season and they effed <laughs> it up majorly well there's still source material for sure where this is a completely – when's the last time you can sit there and say that there was such a complete fresh idea in Hollywood that – Ted Lasso. That's it. That just took the world by storm. Ted Lasso. That's it. I mean this came out before Ted Lasso. Exactly. So not much before that. Lost? Yeah. And then you know it fizzled out at Lost the end. Lost and the Sopranos, like all the old great shows. Yeah. But like, like that's pretty much it. In the past decade, like this is such a fresh idea, and you know, retro is in, and the fact that it's not a modern story that it, it does take place in uh, the early to mid now late eighties, is it's just something that we've never seen before. Yep, I'm here for it. Yeah. Last thing, last thing I'm going to say. I'm going to run this by you as we wrap this up. Um, Joe Curie really proved that he's a good actor yeah um he's a fan favorite he's really carried himself in this he was great in free guy would you be opposed 
to him playing one of these two characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Harry Osborn. Okay. In a Spider in a Spider-Man movie. I know he he looks a little older than Tom Holland, so I don't know if it would work. But the one I'm riding on is I would love to see him as Nova. I see him fitting Harry more own, but he is a li- he's 30, so he's a little yep. older. Um I see him as more of a Harry than I do Nova. I mean, Nova's not bad, but... Yeah, I mean, he could get ripped for Nova. Like, I could see him being, like, an X-Men, too. Like... I mean, he's, he's hairy enough a, to be Wolverine. I feel like he's, he's going to get a superhero role. Yeah. Like, he de- he definitely is going to get a superhero role. Um, and he's definitely deserving if he wants it. If he doesn't want it, it is what it is. I think most of these, these kids are going to get offers from big franchises i know millie bobby brown's in talk with lucasfilm right now for a star wars role so i think a lot of these kids and and adults you know i think hopper obviously got red guardian i don't know if winona Ryder wants to do anything like that but you know lucas he's out there you know there's plenty of roles for him there's a lot of stuff going on in in the the big studios that are you know that could really get you that big paycheck i mean look they they snatched up mike for ghostbusters and he's getting a sequel yeah Um, i don't i don't know about finn wolfhard he's a good actor but he's so gangly he is but he fits in he he reminds me of my cousin (laughs) which one i'm not gonna say it on air but he (laughs) he was in my wedding okay now that's the one i know but like you know he's and he fit great you know, Finn Wolfhard was great in the uh, Ghostbuster movie. Uh, yep, and I think Millie Bobby Brown needs to choose her roles better. Uh, no more Godzilla shit. Get rid of that. Get rid of all the Godzilla stuff. Anola <laughs> Holmes, work on that. Um, I mean, that sequel's coming out this summer, so. Yeah, I know. Can't wait. Uh, we'll do an episode of that. But that brings us to the end, my friend. We're going to get out of here. Uh, I'm going to give it a 10 yeah. on the Geek Grader. This, is, uh, this was a perfect season for me. Uh, not a lot of shows get perfect seasons, but this this one certainly does. Um, next week, we're coming back with a, a banger of an episode. I'm already calling it uh, because we're going to be talking the latest addition to the MCU movie universe as we break down Thor Love and Thunder. This is a movie I've been hyped about for a very long time, mainly because of Gore the God Butcher. I've been wanting him for years. We're getting him. Can't wait to talk about him. Hope I'm not disappointed, but we'll see. Next week, tune in. Follow us on social media, the Active Geek Podcast. Um, follow the shows, Galaxy Wars. At some point, we'll be back. Gym class is coming. The final draft of the first episode is finished. I should be recording it um, within the next week or two, and the first episode will be back. So look for that on your podcast directories. Follow Chuck on uh, on Instagram, Chuck underscore the Active Geek, AG Cosplay. And that's it. We'll be back next week for the Active Geek Podcast. I am Jim. I am Chuck. And we are out.